Welcome back to Pick and Pod WFUV Sports NBA podcast. I'm Kelly Bright alongside two different Thomases this week. It's going to be confusing, but I like a challenge. Thomas Aiello, and we're also we also have Thomas Quigley on. He just had the amazing opportunity to go to a Knicks playoff game in person, which COVID aside, not many people at this point can say they've done in a long time. So welcome to the show, guys. So glad to have you and so glad to be talking about playoff basketball, which it's finally here. We're in round one and the games have been super exciting. And I think the most exciting one was that Knicks-Hawks games. The Knicks are now unfortunately down 0-1 in the playoff series. They fell 107-105 after a floater from ice. Trey Young put the Hawks ahead with 0.9 seconds left in regulation. Trey Young in his first ever playoff game was very impressive. 32 points, 10 assists, 7 rebounds, 9 for 9, nine, for nine at the free throw line. But quickly, I'm going to start with you because you were there. You saw it in person. What was the atmosphere like in the garden? It was kind of, it was like a foreign experience, really. I mean, it's been 14 months since, I guess it's been 14 months since I had experienced, you know, being inside of an arena, Madison Square Garden of all, um, with 15,000 fans who also have been robbed of that opportunity for the last 14 months. Uh, And uh, needless to say, it was electric. I was actually, so when I walked into the building at MSG, since they're uh, very, uh, they like to know what's going on everywhere at all times. So the ushers, uh, when I was trying to get up to the press box, they wouldn't let me in the elevator until another usher was there to escort me up. So I ended up waiting in the hallway for about 15 minutes. uh, And I was just seeing rabid Knicks fan after rabid Knicks fan just basically just skipping down the hallways screaming saying let's go Knicks all all sorts of chants maybe some that you know found their way into the court last night and aren't necessarily safe for work uh but it was just you know it was an electricity throughout the building and it was really it was just refreshing to see and you know a, a great sign of I guess what's what's to come for you know the NBA playoffs uh and all, all sporting events, hopefully, uh, for the foreseeable future. I mean, this is what New York basketball has been waiting for, an exciting team like this. And I think, you know, even I, I've seen it in articles today, NBA Twitter, even on TV, everyone was talking about how electric, like you just said, that atmosphere was. And I think even though the Knicks lost that game, I don't know if it was, I don't know if it was, uh, you know, I, I think there are still some good things to come out of the game. You know, the Knicks would go on a run. The Hawks would respond over and over. It wasn't like the Hawks ran away with it at any point. They did have a hotter start, 24 points in the first quarter, compared to the Knicks only having 16. And the Knicks ended up roaring back in the third quarter, giving going on a 14-3 to run, giving them their first lead since the early first quarter. So there were a lot of ups and downs. R.J. Barrett had easily the play of the night with that big dunk. You know, Obi Toppin got in on the action. You know, there was just a lot out. Alec Burks, oh my God, went off for the Knicks. So Thomas Aiello, I know you're a huge Knicks fan. Now there, there was a lot of bad things in, in that game, but there are also a lot of good things. What are some of your major takeaways after watching the Knicks play in that first playoff game? Well, I thought for one, Kelly, and I think you can agree with me, is that the Knicks are 
incapable of guarding Clint Capella, who is, I want to say, about 40 pounds heavier than Nerland's Noel, as well as the fact that he is just primed every night to go off for like 30 points, 20 rebounds, some Bill Russell-esque stuff here. And the other thing is, I want to know if you guys noticed this too, with all these young players who are just like making it to the playoffs for the first time, Trey, John Morant, Devin Booker, they're dropping 40 points, 32 and 10. There's these triple doubles that are 27, 10 and 11. There's a new era of the NBA coming in. And there's this whole thing about back in the day where the crowd, oh, it's intimidation and the pressure of the fan. But now the new kids that are coming on the block, they're almost like robots. They just don't, they don't seem to care. They don't even notice that the fans are chanting, you know, bleep you, Trey Young or anything like that. <laughs> but they just show up like, oh, I'm going to drop a quick 30 and 10 at Madison Square Garden. Oh, just just the world's most famous arena, the most intimidating place to play perhaps as an opponent with lunatic Knicks fans and other things that happen. And they just, they just show up and annihilate their competition. But Trey Young, who I personally have criticized in the past for playing floppy fish instead of basketball – because he does flop around a lot, but he has cleaned up a lot of the things he used to do between shooting from half court and trying forcing the referees to blow the whistles. But now he's he's actually playing basketball. He dropped his three point attempts this year from 10 to six last night, shot three threes, made one. And then the fourth quarter didn't attempt a single three. Instead, gets nine free throw attempts and scores 13 points to end the game. So for a team like the Hawks that have had trouble closing, for him to come out and do that is mighty impressive. Now, the Knicks also play horribly. They even lost, they lost by two. They didn't even play that good. So I think we have to understand that there may or may not be an avalanche of Knicks defense coming for game two. And the Hawks, they, they could be overwhelmed for that next game. Yeah, I mean, you look at the Knicks' three best players, right? Julius Randle had one of the worst nights of his season, 15 points, two from six from three, six from 23 overall. Not a great night for him. And Bullock was pretty quiet. Randle, Bullock, and Bear combined were only 15 to 47 from the floor. So you got to think, like you mentioned, you know, some of their best players didn't play great and they were still within one, uh, basically one basket. So uh, you did mention those young players. Um, either one of you can show up on this. You mentioned looking nervous and not looking nervous. I thought that Quick and Obi and some of the younger guys looked a lot less nervous than someone like Julius Randle, who's been in the game a lot longer. So I think you're right on that. I think this was a great game for the rookies. They looked young. They looked in control. And what does that say uh, for the next few games and even for next year and the years to come about this young core? They're growing. They're, they're growing. And I feel that Tom Thibodeau, who's been there for as like forever – He's been to the finals. He's played playoff basketball. He's made deep playoff runs with teams. And you two being Boston fans know all about deep playoff runs, especially <laughs> with your Patriots and your, your Celtics. All right. You don't need to don't shove it in my face, but we know that you guys have all the success the last 15 years. But the experience that comes with it from a coach's standpoint, and then you can, I guess, apply it to the rookies. It, it, it's second to none in terms of growing players. And I feel that that, Last night, the way that Thibodeau was able to kind of 
calm down Emmanuel quickly, calm down Obi Toppin. Now they didn't have the most impressive box scores that night or last night. I mean, quickly had 10, which is not bad. Toppin had five points, but Toppin had that one pretty fun dunk. And you know what? I think this is a sign of something to build off of. This is definitely a good look. And I like the bench unit, especially because they had to come in and save the starters because the starters just, they became too nervous. So you have to hope that that gets cleaned up in game two. And I think Julius Randle is, he's due for, for a moment. He, he's due for a moment in, in game two. And Thomas Quigley, now you were there, you saw that the last 10 seconds of the game, a lot of controversy there. Uh, Thomas Ayala, you mentioned coach Tom Thibodeau and his coaching. A lot of people questioning his decision to throw in Frank Nilakina on Trey Young the last second, and then to have Alex Burks, the hottest shooter for the Knicks that night, inbound the ball in the last play. What are your thoughts about those last two plays? Is that something that we blame on that you would blame on Coach Tom Thibodeau? Was it just you know, this Trey Young you know made a great play, made a great lucky shot, or what are your thoughts on those last few plays? I mean, Ayala's right in saying that you know Tom Thibodeau has done a phenomenal job with this New York Knicks team and their youth, uh, their rookies and their, and their second year players um, have grown immensely over the season. Uh, but last night, I think that Thibodeau kind of had, you know, an off night, which is funny to say for a coach, but, you know, you know, playoff decisions uh, matter much more than regular season decisions. And it's not his first go around, but I think that Neil Aquina uh, decision to bring him in to guard Trey young, you know, after he's spent the entire night on the bench was kind of misguided. You putting in a nice cold player against the hottest player on the other team and the player that you know is going to have the ball going down the stretch. Now, obviously, uh, Neil Aquina is, is a defensive, you know, powerhouse. And, you know, he's in that game because of his defense. But, you know, when someone's not warmed up and you just throw them into a playoff scenario in which they – have kind of have never really experienced um it didn't work out as we saw last night and you know who knows if if you put anybody uh on trey young last night if anybody's really stopping him on that last floater that he put in to win the game he had four nicks rushing at him and he still managed to put it through um but you know that that mistake really came back to bite them and then you know burke's uh, inbounding on the last play also. Um, I mean, I can understand that decision because obviously, you know, Alec Burks is not your guy. He, he's been having a great night. He's very hot and he's the hot hand, but you want to get the ball to your best player, even on an off night because Julius Randle can on most nights make that, uh, make that those final plays in the closing minutes. Um, but unfortunately for him, he was also having an off night and he really kind of looked a little bit shell shocked by the, by the playoff atmosphere. Um, he made some bad decisions throughout the night. And on that last, uh, on that last inbound, he kind of just didn't really know exactly what to do with the ball. I think he was nervous throughout the entire night. And I don't think that his poor play really helped that. So, you know, some unfortunate, some unfortunate off nights between the best player and the coach, uh, in my opinion, kind of was the difference at the end. But um, like I said, the rookies were electric. 
just like the, the crowd. And I think the crowd had a lot to do with the game, uh, the ebb and flow. They, they brought a lot to the Knicks in a positive way and also in a negative way, maybe by fueling Trey Young a bit with those chants. But um, when, when Obi Toppin puts down those mo- that monster dunk, uh, the place went wild. He hit another three. I think he only had five points in the night. Maybe, maybe I'm mistaken, but that three that he also hit electrified the crowd. And the same with quickly. <laughs> he puts in a three from deep, and he's turning around, already running down the court before it's even on the way down. So that was, you know, insane. And um, really, you know, fueled the Knicks down with that uh, their their playoff or their their play throughout the third quarter, even in the second quarter too, when they had to even the score up or at least come within two points at halftime. Uh, so the rookies really made such a difference last night. And you know, if if Julius Randle bounces back, which I'm sure he will, uh, I like to take the Knicks in game too. I mean, they they have a lot of motivation after. Uh, Trey Young throws up the the sh- the shush sign after that, which I mean, if if I'm hitting a game winner in a playoff series in the Madison Square Garden, I'm doing something obnoxious too. But uh, I'm really quick. I'm, I'm wondering, speaking of adjustments for Game Two, if Tom Thibodeau said anything in the post game press conference. And Ayello, I'll go to you after quickly to see your opinion on this. Alfred Payton started this game, which a lot of people. Uh, rightfully so, are frustrated with. He played only, only played eight minutes. He had a five-minute hook in the first half and only a three-minute hook in the second. A lot of people thinking that his being out there took away from Julius Randle offensively. Did anyone ask about him starting, and did Thomas and did Tom Thibodeau give any indication that he's thinking about switching that up? Oh, so that didn't come up i mean to my i might be mistaken i have a terrible memory but um he had a pretty short press conference i think he was on for about four minutes five minutes which is you know longer compared to the the players but what he did mention was that he thought at times um maybe julius randall had some situations in which he thought he was a little bit too unselfish with the ball Uh, obviously he wasn't, his shot wasn't really working throughout the night, but, um, he thought that there were situations in which he was kind of trying to be a bit of a playmaker, uh, more of a facilitator when he thought maybe he should just go up and try to get it done himself. Um, so that was one thing that he, he did say that he wanted to look at the tape and review that. Um, but as far as, uh, the Alfred Payton question, I, unfortunately, we didn't really hear much about, um, about, you know, the decision-making process and in the starting lineup and uh, what he thought of that. So I I would have liked to know, but it's very, very difficult to get a question through in those in those Zoom interview post-game press conferences that they have to do right now. I'll say this, and I'm going to keep it very brief. Bench Alfred Payton. That's it. That's all you got to <laughs> do. That was rather brief. Right? Rather brief, right? That's all you got to do. Just bench Alfred Payton. If you're going to play Frank Nilakina, you're going to put him in those those sticky spots. You have to play him throughout the game. You can't leave him on the bench with his little Nick pom-poms going, defense, da, da, de-. You can't do it It's because you're going to mess them up. So bench Alfred Payton. Not only is he terrible at basketball, but he he's probably not better than any of the, the two people I just named. <laughs> 
Well, I, I, I think it was brief, but I think you're right. And, I, and I'd love to see what adjustments they make. Game two is on Wednesday at 10.30 p.m. And I think, I think what's important to remember here is that if you look at these two teams, to me, and I think to a lot of people, the Hawks are a more talented, at least starting the season. You look at both rosters side by side. The Hawks are a more talented team, player through play, you know, player one through ten. They are a more talented team than the Knicks. So the fact that the Knicks were able to keep this close, and I think the fact that the Knicks are going to players like Alec Bur- Alex Burks, like Emmanuel Quickly, like uh, even D Rose. I know he's a legend, but he's past his prime. The fact that those are the guys keeping keeping them together and keeping them uh, as strong as they have been in the playoffs, I think it's a testament to how gritty. And how, you know, you know, just how relentless this team has been all year. And I think that's going to help them at least uh, get this to a game seven, game six, if not take home the whole thing. So uh, I don't know about you guys, but I'm I'm still I could still see the Knicks taking this way in six or seven. It's going to be tough because the difference between the Knicks and the Hawks is that the Knicks are a better effort team. They're a more sound team with defense. The Hawks are a better skill team. I don't think that that's a question that's up for debate. I think we can all agree that the Hawks are significantly better at skills such as shooting, dribbling, passing, defensive, or not defensive, excuse me, offensive sets, uh, lobs and things. The Knicks are a hardworking team. They play good defense. You know, they don't have the bailout option of Trey Young. Now, do they get that over the offseason? That remains to be seen, but... They have to go to, they have to reach a little bit deeper into what's available to them. So they really have to dig into that bench or the players have to go somewhere and find something to just pull out of, out of left field and be like, let's, we got this, we can do it. And it's going to take a team effort to slow down this Hawks team. But I mean, just comparing the two, the skill versus the other stuff, I mean, the Hawks just blow the Knicks out in the skill level, and that's most important in the NBA today. You need to have skill to, to win games. I agree to a certain extent because, obviously, it's a different NBA than it, it was in the early 2000s, 90s, even early 2010s. I guess we're in the 20s now. But when it comes down to it and, you know, when you're in the in the playoffs – it's a, it's a totally different game than it is in the regular season. And there's something to be said for the way that the Knicks' physical, gritty style of play can manipulate a game in the playoffs. Now, of course, they fell last night, and they fell victim to Trey Young's just very obvious and very impressive skill set. Um, but I, I, I feel like it's just going to be very – it's in my mind, very difficult to see that the Knicks fall again tomorrow night after, well, there's, there's a few things going on. There's Julius Randle absolutely pissed about how poor he played. I mean, he said in, in, in the press conference, uh, he just said, I was bad tonight. I have to be better and I will be better. Enough said about that. So we're going to see a different Julius Randle in game two. We're going to see maybe – uh, an MSG crowd that that hopefully doesn't start that F uh, Trey Young chant again because that clearly didn't work. Trey Young still went off um, and it probably fueled him, but it's it's going to be hard for him to repeat that uh, that performance again. And 
you know, it's a team that is not just going to go down quietly just because they had a first round, like for game one loss in the first round, obviously they're going to stick it in or they're going to stick to it. They're going to stick to their game plan. And I, I just can't see that the Hawks take two games at MSG with a full crowd. It, it's hard to see, but um, you know, that's why the games are played. So I guess we'll see. <laughs> I guess we'll see. And, and Julius Randle is they'll hopefully get him to step up his game, but Another game I want to I want to talk about it was another game where two superstars did not play like themselves and that's the Lakers versus Suns game. The Suns came out on top of the Lakers 99-90. Uh, the Phoenix Suns were playing in their first playoff game since 2010. Anthony Davis and LeBron have played in plenty of playoff games but they combined for 31 points on 11 of 29 shooting for the night and Oh my, every almost every player on this Suns team just showed up in this game. DeAndre Ayton finished with 21 points on 10 of 11 shooting and 16 rebounds, and that was his first ever playoff appearance. That made him the second player in postseason history to shoot 90% or better in a 20.15 rebound game against the Lakers, joining Bill Russell, who did it in 1965. So, and a very impressive. Uh, first playoff performance for DeAndre Ayton. And, you know, you look at, you look at this game, Chris Paul got hurt. He came out. He also was involved in, in my opinion, which was one of LeBron James worst flops in it. (laughs) Because there was a fight right after it was very confusing. Somehow Chris Paul, who's 175, 175 pounds, somehow knocked 250 pound LeBron James to the ground. Who's also nine inches taller than him. I don't know. Watch the tape yourself and decide. Uh, so four technicals were assessed after that whole mess. And there was just a lot of back and forth this game. Um, so very, I, I'd say the next most exciting game of the past few nights, but uh, Ayala will go to you. What are you, what are your thoughts on, on how LeBron and AD, especially AD played this game? He, he did have a very quiet night. He only had 13 points, which is not great for someone who's known for being pretty successful in the playoffs, especially last year. So is this panic time for the Lakers? Is this panic time for AD? Look, Anthony Davis, who other than 2000, and I think this was 18 when he played the trailblazers and pretty much beat them by himself. Uh, is not exactly a playoff performer unless he goes to a bubble in Disney where there's no fans yelling at him. No one's throwing little ketchup packets and just aiming them for his head and be like, yeah, you, you playoff choker. Like, no, he, he, now you have to play against actual competition. Fans are ridiculing you pretty much. And on top of the fact, LeBron James may or may not still be hurt. We, we don't know. We're not sure. He may or may not be hurt. Could it also be that the Phoenix Suns are good. It could be. Could be Chris Paul just being the pit bull that he is and leading that charge and sticking his nose in there and just to LeBron James. He wants to beat him. He wants to, he wants to really beat him. So it could be all those few things. And I also think that it's just simply for the fact that he's starting to get a little tired, but I don't want to bet against him because every time that I'd say one thing, the complete opposite happens. Okay. When I tweet certain things out, the complete opposite of stuff happens. Like when I was tweeting about the Yankees and how great Michael King was, Randy Arozarena of the Tampa Bay Rays smacks a grand slam and off of him to left to right field. So 
amongst other things, I, I don't want to bet against LeBron James because it's LeBron James. He's going to just come back and find a way to just beat up everyone on the Suns team. Not literally, but kind of just walk into the paint. But I also feel that this is everyone getting used to having fans back, the pressure of the anticipation that is so thick within arenas with thousands of eyes staring at the court and their excitement for what could happen next, the exhilarating feeling that the players get when you have to take these big shots or there's expectations you have to reach and they don't get any higher, at least in the West for the LeBron James and the Los Angeles Lakers. I mean, that's, that's like putting the Putara earrings on to become one unified superhero where you're basically unstoppable. So my reaction to this Lakers Suns game is whatever. I mean, I'm not too worried now if they go down like three, nothing. Yeah. I, I think we're going to push the panic button, but I'm not, I'm not going to flip out after this one game. I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to do it personally. Let it be known that Thomas Ayala will push the panic button. If the Lakers go down, I, I, I will push it. I will. If have the to push Lakers it go down three Oh, a place where no team has ever come back from in the NBA playoffs. <laughs> it's time to panic. All right. It's a dark well, and desolate place. I'm going to have to say that the time to panic is now for the LA wow. Lakers. And okay. it's been time to panic for weeks. Oh, I mean, okay. Yes. You have a fantastic, very well fought win over the Warriors in the play. And congrats. You're still a seven seed and you have an AD who just can't score anymore. He put up 42 points once, I think, in his return. And it's been nothing every other time he goes out. Now, I completely agree with Aiello in, in this one point that we haven't really seen AD succeed in the playoffs where there's fans. Obviously, there's no fans in the NBA bubble, and he's getting clowned on Twitter for that, which is at times hilarious and at times very cringy. But AD is not the same player that he was last year. And that could be a function of the injury. Obviously, he hasn't been the same player since he returned from it. It could be a function of having to deal with fans in a very hostile situation in Phoenix. You know, that that fan base has also gone all, more than a decade without a playoff game. Uh, and, you know, the Knicks said a similar thing with Trey Young. He responded well to it, and AD obviously didn't. But neither did LeBron. And, yes, you bring up the point that he also is just coming back from injury, so we don't know how healthy he is. But he also seems to be getting injured in each of these playoff games that he's playing in. The play-in, you know, there is that smack in the eye, which was obviously he got smacked in the eyes. Like, you're not going to just get up and be fine after that. But uh, in that play that you mentioned with with Chris Paul kind of uh, table-topping him, um, that was, you know, I'm, I've never been a LeBron hater. I disliked him when he went to the Heat because everybody did. But I've never been a LeBron hater. I always rooted for him over the Warriors in the finals because he was always the underdog. But I see what people are saying when they say that he's a flopper because he really has been flopping lately. The Chris Paul thing, obviously, he you're going to fall if someone's just like, you know, at your knees – and you're reaching for a ball that's behind you. And the only thing between you and the ball is, you know, a smaller player. You might trip. But the way that he fell, his elbow hit the ground first. So I don't know why he was, you know, 
holding his shoulder in such pain. Now, I'm sure that he didn't completely make up this injury, but there's definitely some acting skills on display. And if you're two superstars that led you to a, a, a championship, your first championship in 10 years, last year in a very dramatic or, or emphatic way, I should say emphatic, only dropping five games, uh, you should be worried when they combine for 30 points in a playoff game because they're capable of doing that themselves each time they go out. So it's definitely time to signal the alarms in LA, especially with a team led by Chris Paul, led by Devin Booker. These are very, very talented players who have shown that they could put up monster numbers in the regular season and certainly in the playoffs for Chris Paul. So, you know, with, with a seven seed, two seed matchup, you already had to go through the play in. This is a very tough opening series for the Lakers. It's a tough draw because of, you know, how skillful they should definitely be one of the first four seeds in a normal season where the two superstars aren't injured, but they got a tough draw. They're playing a really good team and it's, it's easy to see a, a, a path back because they dropped a few first game ones of the series uh, last year in the playoffs. I think they did it to the Rockets and in their first round series, and I completely forgetting who they played, but I think they dropped the first game there too. But this year it's going to be a lot harder to mount a comeback when your top two players just aren't showing up. Right. I think LeBron got, hold on one second, Kelly. I think LeBron got those <laughs> acting skills from spending a lot of time filming Space Jam. So <laughs> if you guys want to give him the Golden Globe or whatever it is for best actor, go, go ahead. Just give it to him. Go ahead. Let him have it. I mean, I, I think that flopping comes from frustration. And I think, uh, you know, if we want to put asterisks and we want to put like air quotations on the 2020 <laughs> season and, and the bubble and the playoffs and the championship, I think we also have to talk about how this season was completely unprecedented. I mean, we've seen more injuries, especially to star players this year than in, in any of the years in the past, you know, decade, two decades, even before that. I mean, so many play and you've got the COVID protocols. Teams have not been playing together. Teams have been playing with different lineups night in and night out. And I think this matchup right here is an example of how the teams that are doing well this year are the teams that have found a way to stay together, stay healthy, and stay durable. I mean, the Phoenix Suns are a team that has not been affected by injuries or COVID protocol much at all this season. And because of that, I think they're re- not only because of that, but I think that's part of the reason that they are a number two seed. They won 51 games this season. I mean, they're, they're a good team. They've kind of they've kind of fly, like flew under the radar, but this is a good team. You have Chris Paul. You have the coach of the year in Monty Williams. You have Devin Booker, who just dropped 34 against a Lakers team whose plan was to quiet him and to keep the ball out of his hands. He dropped 34 points, eight assists. And you have DeAndre Ayton, who's a great player. He stepped up this year. So this is a good team. And you you look at this Lakers team who they are good because of their two stars. And those two stars have missed a majority of the season. And so they're not used to playing with each other. I think if you if you watch the game, you could see that I don't think LeBron's at 100%. He, he was looked a little slower than he normally does. I don't think Anthony Davis is at 100%. And you can see the frustration. I, I think part of that flopping on LeBron is coming from that frustration. I mean, he, he is older. I, I'm not a LeBron hater either. I think 
he's someone who's not usually injured. And I think he's someone who always shows up in the postseason, but he's older and his body has taken more in the past two years. I mean, they basically didn't have an off season and his body has been through more than it's, than it's used to going through. And I think it's starting to hit, um, especially on a team that has a lot of questions on the rest of the roster that they really haven't fully figured out. I mean, Andre Drummond was not an answer to any of those questions. And I think him playing, if he's taking away minutes from maybe some other guys on the bench who should be playing uh, Marcus all uh, just to name one. Um, but this is a Lakers team. Their offense is, has been ranked 25th the past few weeks. And it, it hasn't gotten out of that, the bottom 20 of the league all year. And I think a large part of that is because they've been without AD and LeBron, but I think their performance this first game is an indication of just how, how much a team is affected by not playing together for that many games. So I, I think you have two players who have the potential to turn things around. I mean, you have LeBron James and I love, I you're right. You should never bet against him in any situation. Um, Dave, Anthony Davis last year, he had one game where he shot under 50% and he ended up coming back and scoring like 32 points the next game. So I don't think you should completely count him out either, but I, I don't think this series is by any mean by any means going to be an easy one. And I wouldn't be surprised if, if the Suns come out on top. No, I, I wouldn't be either. But like you said, betting against LeBron James. Now, you two are not LeBron haters. I am a LeBron disliker. Not a hater, a disliker. For uh, not just basketball, but there's other reasons why. But beyond the idea that he's hurt and this, all this other stuff, I mean, we get it. Could it also be his time is coming, his father time kind of tapping him on the back of the shoulder like, yo, man, these these kids are good. You you better you better turn into to Superman or else I, I, could that possibly be part of it? I mean, I'm not sure. Now, I also want to point out a particular person two, in fact, one on the Suns and one on the uh, the Lakers. So Mikhail Bridges, who is from Villanova, also shout out to new Fordham coach, Kyle Neptune. He had a, a play in getting him there. He is going to have to be glued onto LeBron for the rest of this series. He has to follow him from the three-point line to the paint, to the locker room, to his car, to his parking lot in his home, into his living room, and just play defense. You got to make him work to get the cereal out of the cabinet every morning. You, you got to somehow find a way to push him, push him out to the paint and go shoot jump shots or pass it, make someone else beat us. And the second person I'm going to point out is on the Lakers, and that's Andre Drummond. Now, there's a picture uh, that I saw today on Twitter. It's Andre Drummond, Dennis Schroeder, and Anthony Davis. They're standing around the perimeter as Andre Drummond is just kind of looking at DeAndre Ayton, who's in the paint for the Suns, about to get a free dunk. Now, I don't know if anyone picked that up, but that just kind of tells you what sort of player Andre Drummond really is. Now I know everyone says, Oh, he's a statistical machine, double, double and physically imposing, but the guy cannot read help defense to save his life. And I question if he's actually good at basketball. So that to me, that's those two things I think are what are going to really stand out. It's going to depend on the defensive bridges and Andre Drummond that everyone touts him as this third star and on defense, at least. Now, we know Dennis Schroeder is the third option for the Lakers, but can Drummond hold it together in the paint? 
That's those are the two things that I think it's going to come down to. If we're not looking at the stars and Chris Paul being tabletop or tabletopping LeBron, whatever Quiggs you said earlier, it's going to depend on those those bench guys and who's gonna who's gonna stick their nose in there and just get their hands dirty too. I, I think that's what it's gonna really come down to. Listen, I I okay, so I said panic if you're a Lakers fan, panic. All right, well. I think this series is going to be tight. I think it's going to go six or seven games, regardless of who wins it. It's going to be the Suns. But um, <laughs> confident. I think so one, confident. Of the, one of the big things that this Lakers team is just devoid of this year is, I mean, they're not devoid of it. They have Dennis Schroeder, who is, you know, a, a very good point guard. He's not the same player as Rajon Rondo. Now, yes. I'm not saying that they're on the same skill level, and I mentioned this on one-on-one on Saturday. Rondo is a player who knows how to win playoff games. He's done it on the Celtics, won a championship with the Celtics, lost a very close championship to the Lakers, seven-game series in 2010. And then this past year, won another championship with the Lakers. He is a floor general. He's a veteran, and he knows how – to run an offense when it comes to the playoffs, Dennis Schroeder, well, we don't really know yet. So I think that that might end up being, you know, one of the deciding factors in how the Lakers fare in these playoffs outside of their two stars, maybe not being exactly as overpowering as they were this past season. Well, we'll see how all those players respond. Lakers and Suns game two tomorrow, Tuesday, May 25th at 10. And then the Knicks and the Hawks, like I mentioned earlier, their game two is on Wednesday at 730. So a lot of playoff basketball to look forward to. These games have been great so far. Definitely can't wait to see what's in store for not just these two series, but all the other ones across the league. But for now, this has been another great edition of Pick and Pod. I'm Kelly Bright alongside both the Thomases, Thomas Aiello and Thomas Quigley. Join us next time to see where this playoff race is next week. But until then, thanks so much for listening. Pick and Pod is production of WFUV Sports. <laughs>